Hello, we're back. Another episode, uh, episode 36 of the Replacement Level Podcast. Chris, we're fall here, um, doing a quick, not quick, but Wednesday early afternoon podcast. We're going to do tomorrow, but graduation is tomorrow. Exciting stuff. Uh, currently done with high school. <laughs> um, Chris, how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. A uh, little bummed because uh, my softball game on Monday was uh, essentially rained out from the rain we got Sunday where the field was just too um, too wet to play, unfortunately. Um, then I got asked yesterday late in the afternoon if I could play uh, in another league, and we had nothing but rain pretty much all day. <laughs> and uh, Rained out two days in a row. That was going to get rained out as well, but kept asking my buddy who – who invited me and he's like, I haven't heard anything. So I made the trip up there, which is about 40 minutes north of where I am and uh, rained the whole time and rained up there and it's like, okay, I guess we we're playing. And then like, I don't know, five, 10 minutes before, like we're supposed to kick off, got a nice solid little uptick in the downpour and that called the game. So uh, kind of unfortunate that I had to make that drive out there, but um, yeah, otherwise good. Uh, congratulations to you on, on graduating. That'd be Thank you. pretty exciting. I remember when, when I graduated, so a lot of fun and um, yeah, enjoy it, man. It's it's a one you only graduate high school one time, and it, it's pretty cool to experience that. So you know, kind of as best you can, try and soak in the moment and enjoy it. Yeah, definitely exciting. Um, gonna rep that new suit that I bought. Um, I remember when I used to play uh, little league. When I was younger, like uh, what was that, 10, 11? I remember, like, I always used to look forward to the Sunday games. Like, we, yeah. like our our league, we played every Sunday. I think President's Day, we uh, everyone played an extra game. It okay. was Sunday, Monday, so we had back to back games. But I remember every Sunday, I looked forward to, it, and I hated the rain. Every time oh, it yeah. rained, I would be so mad. And I was like, "Come on, like, it has to rain the day where I right. look forward to the whole week." Yeah. And uh, I remember always just get rained out. So. Definitely could feel for you over there, Chris. Yeah. Always, always make that prayer. Like, come on, just, you know, I get, I, I get, we need the rain. Just, you know, rain the next day, tomorrow, just, just tomorrow. That's fine. It's always you know, the just... day where you have something looking forward to. That's like, you know what? Let's just rain. I literally just, it was just pouring like five minutes ago. So that just stopped. That was like a quick, uh, so I don't know, rain shower or something like that, but nice baseball news guys. Uh, literally five minutes ago, Vinny Pascantino towards Labrum labrium something like that i don't know in the shoulder so pretty big news for the royals being that the a's are actually winning games now uh they're on a seven game win streak they took two from the Tampa Bay Rays. uh that's something that you're not going to see all year really mm-hmm. and the a's are just playing a great brand of baseball right now um but for the royals just a really a tough break uh because he's been yeah. one of their best hitters overall and he's just been a great player Definitely an unsung hero for them, uh, considering that he plays for a low market team. Uh, so, but really tough news for them. Yeah, yeah. And just side going back on the A's, they I believe they took they've won the last two series. They took I think two or three have, in a row. from from Milwaukee and then from Tampa Bay. So yeah, uh, we're, we may be looking at a big run from the Oakland A's here, and uh, uh, got to break them up. You know, but, I mean they uh, did they, they they did bring their sell the team shirts. I said, I'm not, I'm not sure if you saw that right. yesterday. They did like uh, the reverse boycott. It? They were like boycotting. They, yeah. they want to sell the team now, yeah. uh, prove that they should stay. Uh, but I, I think I saw right after that, 
uh, after the game ended, I think it said that they did pass the uh, three. I think it was three eighty million. So that mm-hmm. that's I think it's another step towards buying their Vegas field and the yeah. rebuild the stadium. But that'd be cool to have a team in Vegas, honestly, because the Golden Knights just won the Stanley Cup. Uh, shout out mm-hmm. to all you Vegas fans. Go Vegas. Four to one, quick uh, five game series. Um, but that'd be cool to have a base- baseball team playing Vegas. I'll definitely check that out. Yeah, yeah. I don't want the A's to be the team that goes out there. Um, yeah. I just <laughs> like them in Oakland and everything. They've been there from I think 1968. So keep them there. I don't. I don't like them moving. I didn't really care for Oakland Raiders football moving out there either. But um, yeah, Vegas. You want a team like pitch to get a new expansion team, or maybe possibly move the Miami Marlins or Tampa Bay Rays since they also have like attendance issues and everything as well. But, um, but yeah, we'll see what happens with the Oakland or with the A's. Hopefully they can make, make some positive headway and staying in, in the city of Oakland. Well, they were on pace to, to lose like the most games baseball at one point. Uh, I think right. the way, I think it was the spiders. Uh, they lost like, I think it was one twenty six. but now that, right. that they won seven games straight, I think I saw – I forgot who said this. Uh, some tweet I saw earlier – I think it was last night when they won. This was like the longest winning streak um, that a team, I think, sustained mm-hmm. when they entered the winning streak with a winning – with a below 200 winning percentage. I think wow. they were at like 190-something, and I think they, they had the longest streak for a team under – 200 winning percentage. So that's definitely a cool stat because I think yeah. nobody expected the, the A's to completely break out. But as the Brewers said, they're still a major league team. So don't cut them out. Uh, another note, somehow it, it seemed like possible for someone to throw 156 pitches. Uh, yeah. A pitcher from Stanford, Quinn Matthews, uh, threw yeah. 156 pitches in the for, Stanford game. I think it was for a complete uh, game too, I think. Keep Stanford alive. He pitched. He was drafted by the Rays last summer, but he actually stayed with Stanford. Seeing, um, he threw 156 pitches. Super regional win over Texas to set up a winner take take him all three on Monday evening. So that is, yeah. So 156 pitches for Quentin Matthews. Wow. Uh, pretty sure that's the most pitches ever thrown in a game by a pitcher. Um, but it's definitely a cool stat, Chris. Uh. Don't exactly think I could do that unless I, I don't know, unless I become a major league player and start playing legit baseball at 18. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's incredible he did it because you, we see with the majors, you know, guys that start to get into the pitch count of the upper 80s and into the 100s, like you're usually getting close to the end of the time that they're going to be still in the game starting. They're either starting to lose some control, some fatigue is setting in for them as well. Um, and also you just want to keep the guy healthy. So you start to see the coaches get the bullpen ready. So him going that far, it is impressive, no no doubt. At the same time, like you have to wonder what's the long-term effect that's going to happen to him for, for pitching that. I mean, throwing that many pitches, you won't see the guys in the majors doing it. So why is a guy in college doing it? And then I believe there's a lot of data out there for – um, pitchers and you know pitch counts and everything that's why like you see 
Um, little leagues have strict pitch count numbers on and strict pitch count numbers for high school ball as well, too, because there is damage that can happen um, from throwing so many. And like you really need to rest that guy. So um, cool for him to do it. It's a moment he won't forget. You know, it, it, it at this point, it could be like the career highlight where he could just go in and say, yeah, I'm the guy who threw 156 pitches in the game. I'll be like, oh, yeah, I know. I remember that. Um, but we'll see what happens with them. Good for him to do. Good for Stanford to win and stay alive. Um, but yeah, I'm curious to see what, what he will have from a physical standpoint moving forward. Um, like I said, long-term and then how will he be in his next start as well? Like, will they give him, I don't know, like an extra week of rest, an extra five days of rest or an extra couple of days of rest. Cause he's really going to need to rest up and be at a, an effective pitcher for his next start. I actually never thought of it that way because this is not, like I said, this is not like something that you see is not a common thing for pitchers to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually the best of the best will throw 110. Uh, yeah. If they're failing it that night, they'll go a seven, maybe even eight and throw 100 pitches. But 156, that's it's not like this guy, I um, mean, he did get drafted by the Rays and the option to stay for another year. Um, but I, I just I don't see from what people are talking about him, at least it doesn't seem like he's going to be the next Dolan Ryan. Uh, so I, I just don't see any reason to throw 156 pitches, but I, it's yeah. definitely, like you said, it's a cool milestone. It's definitely something to shelve up in your uh, memorabilia case. But mm-hmm. guys, hope you know what time it is. It's been two weeks, so that means it's time for a placement level players of the of our bi-weekly thing. I don't know. It's every two weeks we just... For those who are new listeners, every two weeks we pick two players, one batter, one pitcher, who we feel have been playing replacement level. That is why we named it Replacement Level Podcast. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to kick things off over on the hitting side. I went stayed with my stripes. Anthony Rizzo, uh, before last night, he was 0 for 24, hit the street last night, and he was on pace to to honestly be first, not first, but he was honestly, he was on pace to finish top five in first base voting uh, in the AL, but he has completely tapered off in the past month or so, really, I mean, obviously two weeks. So he, he went 0 for 24. He's now 1 for 26 since last night. He went 1 for 3. Um, in the last 15 games, he's slashing 169, 222, and 186. I think before last night's hit, he hadn't, he didn't, reach base via hit since the judge crashing it to the wall. Uh, that was like three weeks ago. So he had a pretty long streak uh, going hitless. So it, over that 15 games where he had a 222 OPB, he struck out 18 times. He went tw- 10 for 59 um, over that streak. And even more recently, the past seven games, he's slashing 38, 167, and 38. Uh, so he's really just not been hitting well. Um uh, at all, and he's not making the same contact that he has been really all year. Um, but actually, something that is is a little uh, intriguing to me is that he his strikeout rates and his swinging choices are kind of um, on par with what he's and his swinging choices he's really he's made all year. Uh, I think it was last month was twenty two percent strikeout rate. This year's twenty. This month is twenty three. So I think it's more of the quality of contact that he's making. Like, he's obviously not making uh, the optimal contact, and obviously the optimal launch angle isn't there. Uh, so he's definitely not making as hard contact as he did the past couple of months. 
June has just not been nice to him at all. Um, but in terms of Judge, uh, one thing that has factored in is the fact that when Judge plays, the Yankees are just not producing at all. Uh, so I pulled up a stat from Yankees Muse. Checking them out on Twitter. They're actually a uh, they're a Twitter account dedicated towards this random stats. So they said that the, the, the lowest runs per game in the MLB, so just the top five lowest. So the Guardians, 3.85. Royals, 3.75. A's, 3.66. Tigers, 3.54. And the lowest, the Yankees without Aaron Judge, 3.33. So obviously Rizzo, it's more of a personal matter for him. Like he needs to get going because as Boone said, without Judge, you're going to need the veterans to get going. Rizzo, LeMahieu, Stanton, and just – Really, just they need to carry the load if the Yankees want to get going. Uh, they had a pretty big break last night, uh, seven six, tough win in City Field. Uh, they really just gritted that game out. But overall, Rizzo has just not been the Rizzo that we saw in the first couple of months, uh, where he was hitting three hundred, and he was really on pace to what I don't know thirty homers. And this was really a big year for this was supposed to be a big year for him the way he was hitting because uh, last year was sort of a mild, more of a middling season for him. And people kind of thought that he was like washed and maybe people were questioning the deal that they could sign with him, but that's sort of, he sort of t- turned the tides to begin the year, but he got to get back on track. Chris, hmm? him with your hitter. Oh, we're going to stay with your team. Uh, you know, oh. I, finally I've been looking forward to having a chance oh, to baby. talk Talk a little, talk a little trash about your Yankees, uh, especially since you haven't let me forget that the Yanks won the initial series against the Mariners. But Why uh, did I forget, yeah. <laughs> um, but we're gonna stay, like I said, with the Yankees. We're gonna actually move just a little. We're gonna move to Rizzo's neighbor with Glaber Torres. Um, over the last two weeks, he's gone seven for forty-one with two runs scored, two home runs, three RBIs, one stolen base, four strikeouts. I'm sorry, four walks, seven strikeouts, three errors for the second baseman, and a 171 average and a .56.1 OPS. So um, he's definitely a guy that is kind of a streaky hitter, and when he's on, he can be really, really hot and kind of not be a judge type player where he's going to carry the team, but he can definitely be a guy who can maybe win you a couple of games here and there in the series and stuff like that. Like I remember when he started the year, he was really hot to begin the year and it was looking like he may have a career. Um, Then he had that hip injury and kind of brought him back down to earth a little bit, but he's been, I'd say kind of what we've seen throughout his career, which is a guy who can get hot, be a difference maker for a short period of time. But overall, he's a solid second baseman in, in major league baseball. Um, so I'm not worried about this current streak that this you know poor performance that he's on. Like he'll get it, he'll get it himself turned around. But um, for yeah, for going with replacement level players, he gets my vote and my nomination. Um, and it's also nice to just you know talk a little trash. Robert, about a little more, Chris. <laughs> yeah, talking trash a little about the Yankees. So, um, but gonna move over to my pitcher, and unfortunately. All that gloating is going to be very, very short-lived because the pitcher I've got for this week is rookie for the Seattle Mariners and Bryce Miller. Now, it is a little unfair. He is a rookie. Uh, He did get called up not too long ago. He started off really hot. Um, I believe his debut was he struck out 10 batters against the Oakland A's. Granted, it is the Oakland A's, but still, striking out 10 batters in your debut, that's pretty rare. 
Um, but unfortunately, over his last two starts, he's only gone 8.1 innings. Got a win, gave up two homers, walked five, struck out eight for a beautiful 8.64 ERA, uh, 1.68 whip, and one quality start. So um, it, he he's fared better in his last start against Miami. Um, but, you know, the previous ones before that, his previous two starts before that were against the Yankees and against um, Texas, and they just obliterated him. But um, against New York with the Yankees, he went four and two-thirds inning. With Texas, he went two and one-third inning. But like I said, against Miami, he went six innings strong, got that quality start, looked like the Bryce Miller we've seen from him um, to start the year. So hopefully that little two-game stretch against Texas and New York is just kind of a blip, uh, and this is the Bryce Miller we see because he is a guy that uh, is – was kind of one of the highest rated prospects in the Mariners system. Uh, Emerson Hancock and Harry Ford, I believe, are the only other two players that were higher than him. But uh, Bryce Miller is a guy who's, with his hot start, could get into Rookie of the Year contention. Um, but, you know, we'll talk about those those awards later on. So, Rafal, who's your pitcher? Chris, uh, I think I just caught you right-handed. You went with my New York to try to – cheapskate me a little bit and then you stuck with your own mariners um a little, little sneaky move over there I, I see you uh hitting on your own team a little bit um yeah. so for my pitcher i actually went with a familiar face who actually had a really big breakout year last year martin perez over oh, yeah. in texas uh he had a 2.41 era through march and april and over the after that he completely fell off the map since May, over past May, really just May and June, uh, he's really hit rock bottom. Uh, he really, in the month of May, uh, where he posted a 6.91 ERA through 27 and third innings, it was a 319 opponent average. And this month in June, he's, the opponents are hitting 310. And over his past seven starts, uh, 6.69 ERA through 37 and third, and the 25 and 15 strikeout to walkout a strikeout to walk uh, rate. And over his past two starts, I think there's one thing in particular for Perez. Uh, he's really struggled on the road. Uh, just to give you some uh, statistics, some content for you guys. On the, on the road, he has a 6.50 ERA and a home 1.40 ERA. So a huge disparity uh, between away and home. Uh, hitters are hitting 247 in Globe Life in Arlington and away on the road hitters are hitting 330 against Perez. And just to give you some context, a little more for that, uh, over his past, his past three starts, two of them were away. So on Sunday, he allowed seven runs in Tampa. And then his, I think his last start away on the road was in Detroit on the 30th. And he allowed six, uh, to a pretty hapless Tigers lineup. Uh, so he's really just struggled on the road. Uh, I'm not sure. What's going on? Maybe it's just the he's not used to the the different ballparks. But last year that was only an issue from him uh, because there's obviously a huge difference between we see at home he's pitching pretty much like an all star, and away he's really struggling. And so really, uh, Martin Perez is my replacement level pitcher of the past two weeks. Uh, on to more <laughs> interesting topic for you guys. We kind of. Since the All-Star game is coming up, uh, we were going to go Cy Young and MVP voting, but we're going to save that for another time. Uh, since the 
first stage of voting uh, was just released. We're actually going to hit you guys with our AL and NL all-star lineups. Uh, we're not going to go with – we're not going to do bench players. We're not going to do rotation. I'm just going to do lineups, uh, starting lineups, and pitcher and reliever. So let's just run through it. Uh, at catcher, we got Salvador Perez and also Ali Rutschman. Uh, a bit of me and Chris kind of uh, disagreed over here. I picked Salvi just because he's leading catchers, and all catchers home runs got 14. Uh, I did throw in Jonah Heim. Uh, as a close third, just because he's really picked up the pace at the bat last year. And sorry, this year, last year, I saw a lot of potential at the plate. Uh, and you know, once he really started getting more reps at the behind the plate, I was like, Hey, this guy once Garver, you know, Garver has been injured a lot, so he's getting more reps and he's kind of showing what he could do at the plate. So I did like what he does, but Salvi is that veteran guy who just hits bombs. Uh, he's leading all catchers with 14 homers. So, Chris, tell me I why mean, you got Ali. So, I mean, Salvador Perez is obviously a good choice, and I would be, I would not be surprised for him to make make the All Star appearance again. Uh, for me, it's just Ali Rushman was a highly highly touted prospect, and he is delivering on it. And kind of the most impressive thing for me is he's got. Let me make sure I got this right here. He's got 46 walks to 40 strikeouts. Wow. I mean. That is pretty impressive for any hitter in the major leagues to have more walks and strikeouts, but he's doing it from the catcher spot and that we you just don't see a lot of offense from catchers. I mean, guys like Salvador Perez who crank homers, like that's kind of what we see from catchers. They're going to be a good defender, have a, you know, an okay average, but hit home runs. And like, that's what Salvador does, but he also does it with a very nice average to come along with it, which makes him special. But for me with Rushman, just having that plate discipline, um, and plate control, it is pretty for me. That's what makes it, you know, gives him the nod over, over the reigning or the probably more likely the starting all star catcher for the AL and Salvador Perez. Yeah, uh, I mean, Ali's like you said, Ali is was obviously a highly touted prospect coming up. Uh, at one point before I got called up, he was the best prospect in baseball. So honestly, like I said, he was my number two pick, but I had to go with Salvi. So at first base. Um, it was Yandi or Vladdy. Uh, Chris went with Vladdy. Uh, I went with Yandi Diaz. Yandi's ranked fourth in the AL in OPS. He has 926 OPS, and he was never really considered someone who had pop, but he's already had 12 home runs uh, this year. He's got that 530 slug, and he's really just really impressed me with his ability to launch the ball and actually drive the ball instead of you know he is a great contact hitter that's what he did bet all best the past couple of years but to see him produce power is definitely that adds a little more of a threat uh to his game and is definitely something that the rays would like to see in such a loaded lineup uh where you got wander you got randy rosarena and josh lau and there's a lot of guys who really can hit the ball and make really loud contact. So it's good to see Yandi really making an impact. Uh, Chris, Vladdy. It's his name, Vladimir Guerrero. I mean, he's going to be perennial all-star consideration for first base. I mean, he's having a down year in terms of home runs. He's only got nine on the year, but he's driven in 41. He's got three steals. I mean, nobody thinks of Vladimir Guerrero as a stolen base threat, but he's got three in the year. Give him credit for that. 
283 average with a 798 OPS, only committed two errors in the season. So he's really, his power, you know, it's going to come. I'm not worried about it. He'll still be probably one of the top guys in hitting home runs when the season's all said and done. Um, but he's, you know, he's really stepped up the rest of his game. Like he's got 14 doubles, which is better than Yandy has on it. Um, obviously, like I said, he's got seven more RBIs than than Yandy as well. Um, so yeah, he's he's Vladimir Guerrero. I do think his name recognition will probably outweigh Yandy Diaz, even though, like you said, Yandy Diaz makes a really strong case for him to be considered as an All Star. Um, I do hope he gets it, but I mean. We know how all-star votes go, and name recognition is a big factor in it, um, which is good and also bad when you have somebody like Yanni Diaz who's having a really good year. And quite frankly, this could be his best shot at being an all-star. And so, um, you know, we'd love to see him make it and get the nomination. But again, for me, I think Vladimir Guerrero, his, his name and what he's done, which is not great by his standards but it's not too terrible from overall standards as well i think that'll give him the boost so even uh, i mean i would say even if like you said obviously vladi's a bigger name but even if vladi would uh overtake yandi i still think yandi makes a reserve at least yeah um but up the middle uh this is kind of a uh a pretty easy uh Easy take. I don't think it was much of an argument. Up the middle, me and Chris got Marcus Simeon and Bo Bichette. Probably, oh, if they're on the same team, it would be the best duo in baseball, honestly. Uh, because Bichette has been the most consistent hitter, except for Luis Arise and the AL least. He's been the most consistent hitter, uh, except for Judge, who can't stay healthy for his life. Uh, but Simeon, uh, Altuve is obviously, he's obviously a big name, so he's going to get a lot of votes. But he did miss a bulk of the year. Uh, he started off the year on the IL and really just just came back. So Simeon has really kind of proved himself, and a lot of a lot of mainly Rangers fans were pretty disappointed last year when the Rangers went out and spent a whole lot of money and didn't really come to fruition last year because Seager and Simeon both had huge down years, and they just got Seager back and he's been tearing it up. Uh, he had a huge bomb last night, I think it was two nights ago. But Simeon has really been atop his game, uh, showing what you know the, the, the second baseman that he truly is offensively, defensively. Uh, so yeah, Simeon Bichette. Yeah, I mean, I gotta pause here. I, for me, it's it's Wander Franco over, oh, over right, Bichette. Right. Yeah, Simeon, we guy. agree on. Um, and Bichette is, I'll be honest, Bichette makes a really good case. I, I, I'm really interested to see how the voting will go down for the all-star shortstop position AL because Bichette and Wander, uh, you can't go wrong with either one of them. I mean, just comparing the numbers, Wander has hit scored four more runs, but he's only got 75 hits compared to Bichette's 92. Wander's got 19 doubles, which is better than Bichette's 11. Um, Bichette's got six more home runs with a 14 to eight comparison there. Um, and Bichette's got 11 more RBIs than Wander, but Wander's got 19 more steals than Bichette. And Bichette did say this offseason that he was going to be more aggressive on the base pads, but you know, that hasn't come to fruition yet. So, um, not to mention that Wander's has walked 10 more times and he struck out at a far less clip than what Bichette has. He's only got 35 strikeouts on the year compared to Bichette's 52. Wander's got three errors. Bichette's got five. 
Wander's hitting 292 with an 827 OPS and Bichette's 316 with an 853 OPS. So again, those two guys, I, you're not going to go wrong with either one of them. Um, but uh, those are, for me, I'm taking Wander over, over Bichette. So over at third base, uh, this would, this could be more of a discussion because I have Jose Ramirez, but I know Chris uh, put in Josh Young. And I also – I did have Chapman and Young over there also. But I think, honestly, any of these three guys can – are valid and uh, – are valid options, really. Uh, Chapman's kind of tapered off since that really historic start to the season. Uh, but he sort of dropped off, so that kind of became a third on my list. But, honestly, J-Ram – Josh Young, both great players. Young has a slightly better stats, and he's really kind of popped off uh, to begin the year. Obviously, a bigger prospect for the Rangers, but honestly, J-Ram, uh, a bigger veteran than in the game, but either of them I would be fine with. Yeah, I think this is another situation where eventually or yeah, eventually it's going to go down to J-Ram being the, the nomination for But, you know, Josh Young – Big-time prospect for the Rangers. They're definitely counting on him to be their third baseman, and he's delivered. So his numbers have been great. He's got a really bad walk-to-strikeout ratio with 18 walks to 70 strikeouts in the year. But, I mean, he's young. He's still hitting 284 even with that bad strikeout-to-walk ratio. So give him some credit. I think he'll make it, the voting a lot closer for the starting third baseman spot for the AL. So this is probably the easiest – and I, I just don't think there's anyone in the world that would disagree on this. Uh, right field, obviously you got Aaron Judge. Uh, he has he's obviously got the 1.78 OPS, and despite uh, missing 18, 19 games this year, uh, he's second in the AL in home runs. He has 19 behind Otani, who has 20. Uh, but there's really no disagreement. Just one of the best players, if not the best, probably the best best hitter in the game, and best player in the game really. Uh, but Judge. And nothing really else to say. He's just really just a great player, yeah. uh, even though he's can't stay healthy. But that's just really it. Aaron Judge. Yeah, nothing really else to add to that. Aaron Judge will be the starting right fielder. Um, so yeah, who we got for center field again? So center field. This was kind of a like for me at least. I, I didn't really. Uh, I was gonna put. I had a Rosarena. Obviously, he's not a center fielder. Uh, so Trout would go there instead. Um, so for me, it was a Rosa Reina. I don't know. I'm not sure how they, they would play us out. So I'm guessing they, for at least if they would keep with my, uh, lineup, they would have judge and center and then a Rosa Reina and left, but Chris did put in trout. Uh, obviously trout will probably win o- over a Rosa Reina and Adolis Garcia, just because he is going to be, he's one of the best players in history mm-hmm. and he's more of a prominent name. Then Rosarena, even though Raiders Arena is having the better year OPS wise, um, Trout had, does have two more homers. Uh, Dolores Garcia is having another uh, fantastic year, um, but yeah, Trout is. I honestly think Trout's going to win it over just because of his name, and he is second. It's Judge Trout and or Jordan right now in the voting, so that that kind of shows. Yeah. Yep. And then left, I had Jordan. Um, you had a Rosarena, right? Yeah. And right? And, and left, sorry. So, yeah, left. yeah, so I put in Jordan just because he's Jordan and he is second in the voting, but he like he's hurt. We were talking about his forecast, mm-hmm. he's hurt. Yeah. So there's a chance that there are guys who can overtake him in the voting, but I would have put 
Yeah, so I had Jordan, but if not Jordan, I would put Trout, and then we would have the same outfield. Yeah, um, I think with Jordan, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see if he wins the votes and like gets the nomination, but doesn't participate because of injury. Um, and so then you have somebody else that's his replacement in there. But um, Jordan's definitely deserving of being an All Star. He's having a great season. So, um, but yeah, that's part of the reason why I kept him out because I don't think he'll actually be in the game at all um i think he'll either be recovering from his injury or he'll probably just say hey i'm gonna take enjoy the rest because my team needs me um and so yeah i got nominated but that's it yeah uh let, let's run through the rest of this before i hand you the nl and you run through that so dh obviously we got shohei no, no really argument there starting pitcher we both got shane mcclanahan uh, i would have considered eduardo uh but he did miss three starts when he landed on the il so that kind of he has lowest year on baseball, but McClanahan's right behind him with 2.18. So gotta give it to McClanahan. He's just been dominant. And closer, uh, I went with Felix Bautista. Chris went with Emmanuel Classe. Again, both are great and and honestly can't valid. Go wrong. Can't go wrong with any of them. Classe has the most saves in baseball, and Cano and Felix Bautista is probably the hardest throwing reliever right now. Uh he's up there, not the hardest throwing, but he's up there. And he's just been completely dominant. There are other options. You could have gone with Yanni Cano, Carlos Estevez, Romano, all really just great options. Uh, I think all of them, there's three, a good amount of them are going to make the All-Star game. Um, but, yeah, those that's the AL. Uh, Chris, why don't you take a show for the NL? Yeah, so for NL, um, we'll start with catcher. Um, I think there's only two, two choices that we had in there, which was Will Smith and Sean Murphy. Um, and for me, you can't go wrong with either one of them. Sean Murphy's having a great season with um, with the Braves, and then Will Smith is having a you know terrific season again. Um, arguably a better season than he's had in years past with the Dodgers. Um, he's another guy like Rushman who's got more walks than he does strikeouts, and that's again something you don't see often, and especially you don't see with the catchers. Um, he's also batting two ninety, so and with ten home runs and thirty five RBI, so he's having. Like I said, he's having an arguably a better season than he has in the past. Um, but, you know, Rafal, you had Sean, so here, let's hear why for, for Sean. So I did put Sean Murphy uh, just because he has the highest OPS among catchers. Uh, Smith mm -hmm. was definitely my second choice. Uh, even Elias Diaz. I think it's Elias Diaz, sorry. Um, mm -hmm. But look, I, didn't th I always thought it was Elias Diaz, but when I went to Red yeah. Sox game – they're like now batting Elias Diaz. I'm like, whoops, I botched that name. But yeah, yeah. Murphy has definitely been, uh, at least in my eyes, the best catcher in the NL. Uh, he's really just been a, a huge force for the Braves. Obviously, they they got him in that trade, uh, and he's I don't know. There's nothing really to say. He's he has the highest OPS, 920, uh, amongst NL catchers, and he's really just having a, a huge year. In Atlanta, uh, Elias Diaz, like I said, is having a very underrated and very quiet year. Uh, someone to he's been probably the best hitter in the Rockies lineup because Chris Bryant is never healthy. McMahon's heating up, but Elias Diaz is definitely having a big year at the plate. Uh, Chris, who who we got at first base? First base, another one that is you can't go wrong with either of these guys. You've got Freddie Freeman. I've got Paul Goldschmidt. They're both past first baseman starters for you know, the NL and everything like that. So really Paul Goldschmidt, 
he's one of the lone bright spots on a very dismal Cardinals team. I mean, he's still batting 290. He's got 11 home runs, 19 doubles, 879 OPS, 38 walks to 64 strikeouts, seven steals. Uh, he may crack double-digit steals on the year, and he may get up to 15. We'll see if that happens or not. But, um, you know, be a little bit of a turning back the clock for him, getting into, you know, 20-plus home runs and looking at 10-plus steals. That's something that is what made him really special when he was in Arizona. But obviously, as he gets older, you don't want to run as much because, you know, there's not a lot of value in it and just wear and tear on your body. But, you know, he might be able to turn back the clock a little bit here. But, Rafal, tell us why Freddie Freeman is the better choice. So we're talking about two future, uh, likely future Hall of Famers. Uh, I, like I said, there's no there's no going wrong here. Uh, I think at least in for me, I went with Freddie just because he's been more consistent. Uh, Goldsman's got 870 OPS. Freddie's 989. Home run-wise, Freddie has that advantage by two, 13 to 11 RBIs. He's more RBIs. Uh, Goldie has more walks. Goldie has less strike, uh, more strikeouts actually. Uh, Freddie's leading the league in doubles, twenty-four. Uh, Goldsmith has nineteen. So I think overall, uh, Freddie's been the better hitter, but I think that there's no going wrong. Like obviously, Goldie is would be immediate second option if, I, if Freddie wasn't in the league. I'd be Goldie right away. Uh, but yeah, that's that's really it. There's no going wrong. Yep. No, absolutely not. So um, we're not going to spend too much time on second base because we both agree with the hitting machine that is Luis Urias yeah. as being the starter. Um, it's unfortunate that his batting average is now below 400, but we can thank Ooh. the Seattle Mariners with their steady dose of fastballs to him. That seems to be a weakness for him. Um, so I hope he's able to turn around. I'd love to see him hit 400 on the year. Um, it hasn't been done since Ted Williams did it. 403. Yeah, so um, be cool to see him do it. But uh, shortstop is we're going to differ again. So you've got Orlando Arcia with the Atlanta Braves, and I've got Tierro Estrada with the San Francisco Giants. And I'll be honest with you, Paul, NL shortstops this year, some names that we are used to seeing or would think of having, you know, be starters or anything, having some bad years and, like, bad years by their standards. Like, Trey Turner's not having a good year. Xander Bogarts in San Diego is not having a good year. Um, you know, so it is really interesting to see who's going to win that that starting spot. I've got Estrada. He's having a good year again for the Giants, um, hitting 294 with an 833 OPS, nine home runs, 14 stolen bases, only three errors on the season. Um He's a versatile player, so he, he could play anywhere for the NL team. He could be their starting second baseman um, if they wanted to move Arcia to first, or not Arcia, um, Arise to first. But I think Estrada will be the starting shortstop for the NL. But, you know, Rafal, give us the your case as to why it should be Arcia. Yeah, so we're, we're talking about a pretty elite shortstop class. And when you take a look at guys like Trey Turner's having a down year, Bogarts has some solid but not his type of caliber that he usually uh, puts up. Lindor has been abysmal. Oh, yeah. Uh, and we're talking about, you know, young rookie Matt McClain has making a strong case. He's not going to – doesn't exactly qualify, so it's not going to get a ton of votes. But I went with Arcia. He isn't uh, – qualified because he only has made 172 at bats. He's only played 45 games, but in those games, slashing 323, 378, 468 with 846 OPS and coming into the year, uh, especially camp, there was big conversations when Swanson left 
uh, also with Anthony Swanson's in that mix, but there's mm-hmm. big conversations when Swanson left just because you had a Grissom and Arcia. And obviously yeah. Grissom started off as the starting shortstop. He got optioned once he he didn't struggle. I think he hit pretty well, but they wanted to give Arcia the spot to see what he can do. And he really proved himself, like I said, uh, that 840, what was it, 846? Yeah, 846 OPS. Uh, so, like I said, everyone else is really struggling. The big names are struggling. So, like, there's – it went with Arcia, uh, yeah. even though he hasn't really exactly qualified. Yep. No, he's he's having a good season for sure. Um, but, yeah, it's just interesting. I think it's more shocking that a lot of the big name superstar shortstops are having down years. Um, so, we'll see. We'll see who eventually gets the nod. Uh, third base, we're kind of going to skip over again. We both agreed on Nolan Arenado. He's yeah. having a down year by his standards as well, um, but he's still a gold glove defender. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, he's going to win it. I mean, there's just no question about it. Really. Well enough yeah. to yeah. take the vote. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to move over to the outfield. Um, outfield, you've got – Ronald Acuna Jr., I also have him in the outfield as well. You've got Lord Scurriel Jr., the center field from the Arizona Dimebacks. And then you also have Corbin Carroll. I've got Corbin Carroll as well. I have him in the center field for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, so the difference is you've got Gurriel Jr. and I've got Mookie Betts. Um, Gurriel's having a great year for him for sure, but Betts is like Betts is just having a really strong season. 15 doubles, 17 home runs on the season, um, 263 average and 899 OPS, um, 39 walks to 49 strikeouts. You know, he's doing very mooky things, and he's just not slowing down. Oh, and by the way, he had – I think it's like his second kid he had earlier at the season as well. So, you know, doing all this while – yeah, congrats. Doing all this while you're getting adjusted to having an additional child um, in your household and taking care of him. That's not easy to do. So I know um, what he's kind of going through is I've got a five-year-old and a -a one-and-a-half-year-old, and um, there is a big adjustment going from one kid to two kid. I can't imagine what it's like to be a professional baseball player when you need to have your sleep and the youngest is waking up in the middle of the night because they're a baby. That's just what they do. Um, so I guess maybe there's, for me, it's a little more impressive of what Mookie's doing, but tell us why Lords is the choice. Uh, you, you honestly, you should, you should uh, pay a visit to Mookie. I'm, I'm sure he's never gotten that before. Uh, so oh. like, Hey, I, I, I can feel for you. Like I have a kid, uh, you know, I know what it's like, and you're still somehow playing also level. Like, tell him that honestly. Um, yeah. But I did. I put Mookie uh, under Lourdes Gurriel just because he has the higher average, even though that doesn't isn't really relevant. Uh, Mookie has the higher OPB, but I I was Mookie would have been uh, my other option. Gurriel has two more doubles. He has less strikeouts. Uh, Mookie does have more walks. Uh, he has the higher average, has lower OPB, uh, 534 and 535 slug. Mookie has one less slug than uh, Lourdes Goriel, but Goriel has been a more consistent hitter uh, than Betts. He's best has been a little streaky. Obviously, has the big bigger disparity is home run wise, 10 to 17. Betts to 17. But I just really like Goriel, and obviously you got that now. You got you got Goriel and Carroll. Uh, I think either way, it's likely that Betts will win it uh, over Gurriel, but that'd be cool to see Carroll and Gurriel both play uh, since and being that they're uh, 
uh wait yeah being that they're uh playing for the same team um yeah so what do we got for dh dh so we're actually gonna hold right here i got an idea since we both agree on closers with alexis diaz as the reds um, we'll just mention him because the last two spots we have are the DH and the starting pitcher, but we disagree on both of them. So Whoa. my thought, my thought is let's, you know, let's just talk about the closer for the Reds, which we did. And now let's get into, you know, a strong discussion here um, as to why Nick Castellanos is the better choice at DH than okay. your guy, Lady Martinez. Um, okay. Castellanos had a really bad first season with Philly and he's bounced back. He's having a tremendous year. He's got 23 doubles, which is one less than the NL leader of Freddie Freeman. who has got 24. Now Castellanos has only eight home runs. So the home run power isn't quite there, but he's got a 316 average hidden um, you know, with OPS of 863. So he's definitely bounced back and it's looking more like last season was more of just an aberration of him. And this is kind of the Castellanos that we've all known um, over the, the more recent history of him. The, the home runs are a little concerning, but considering he's got 23 doubles with the triple and eight home runs, I'm not too worried about it. I'm sure he'll get on the hot streak where everything's just getting crushed out of the park for him for home run wise. So, um, you know, tell us why JD is the guy. So JD leading all uh, the sorry the NL in uh, OPS nine sixteen OPS. Uh, Solaire has three more homers, uh, but second is JD. Uh, and we're seeing just a lot of pop from Martinez. He already has more homers than last year. Was playing how many did he get last year? Definitely, I saw that last year he had less homers. Last year he had. 16, so he's already tied. He's matched last year's mark. Uh, and, you know, he's really just – he's done a great job uh, with L.A. And he, he's a huge pickup from Boston last year, and he struggled last year with Boston in the second half. He really had a bad second half. So uh, good to see J.D. doing J.D. stuff, especially at the plate with that pop. But starting pitcher, I got Stroh, and you went – Mitch Keller. With Mitch Keller. So just quick – about Marcus Stroman, uh, the Cubs just went out and said that they're not considering extending him at all. And even though he's Ooh. the lowest ERA uh, in the NL, um, he's got that 2.42 ERA. He's leading all – he's uh, not leading, sorry. Uh, Strider is leading uh, all – the NL strikeouts 127. Uh, Stro has got 73. Uh, he's got that 2.42 ERA, made 14 starts, 85 and two third innings. He's got that, uh, he's allowed just two homers on the season. Uh, so he's really, he's found good command and he's, you know, he's commanding his pitch as well. Uh, definitely the durability is there this year. He's definitely going longer in his starts. You see that, uh, obviously you see those 82 innings. Um, so I just think that this is a kind of a breakout year for him. Uh, because he did, he was kind of middling with the Mets, and once he since he's really coming over to Chicago, he's having a really big year, even mm -hmm. though the Cubs aren't really interested. So, Chris, Mitch Keller, yeah, yeah, Mitch Keller. Um, my opinion, he's breaking out. He's having that season. He's meeting expectations that part fans were expecting for him um, since he got called up. I mean, he's definitely prior to he's really much more of a strikeout guy, kind of a little bit wild. Um, 
but he's really honed in his control. He's only got 23 walks on the season over his 87 innings. He struck out 101 batters. He's got a complete game shutout already under his belt this year. He's got eight wins, nine quality starts, a 3.41 ERA, and a 1.11 whip. He has struggled over his last few starts, um, but he may have righted the ship. And, you know, we see all starting pitchers kind of go through struggles in the year, but then turn things around. So for me, with the Pittsburgh Pirates kind of having a surprise season, and they're still in first place in the NL Central, um, one game over the Milwaukee Brewers. For me, Mitch Keller and the Pittsburgh Pirates, um, he's going to be, in my opinion, he's going to be the starter for the NL NL All-Stars. So there you go. Your AL and NL All-Stars. Uh, I would say that me and Chris were sort of mostly on the same page, honestly. Mm-hmm. Only had a few spots where we disagreed. Uh, but overall, pretty productive. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, honestly, one of the funner ones we had. Uh, make sure to like, subscribe, Spotify, check out our Apple Podcast, YouTube also. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel called The Replacement Level Podcast. Also, check out all the sports knot uh, where mm-hmm. – it also is published. I uh, got our team of editors who really do a great job of making this look nice. Uh, yeah. So make sure to check us out. Like I said, subscribe, like, share it. Uh, anyone you know who likes baseball and replace level baseball to be more specific. And hope to see you guys for a surprise guest on Monday. Uh, enjoy the rest of the week.